church. My name's Andrew. I'm one of the pastors. I want to welcome you to church this morning. We are glad you're here. We'd love to know you're here with us and in the room or watching online. And you can text one of our keywords to our phone number. Just let us know what's going on in your life. Let us know you're here and how we can pray for you. Um, as you came in, you came by some walls. It's got a guide for this morning. It's Dysfunctional is our series, not the name of our pastor. Dysfunctional. So series going on. It's a joke. He knows I'm kidding. Also, maybe, maybe not, but also uh, there's a calendar with some events going on since it is the end of April. 
and it's April 30th, you really need to grab this because there's one day left on here that's really important for you to know about. And that one important date that's on there is pizza with the pastors. And so that is today right after church. Whether you signed up or not, we would love for you to come be a part of that. It's going to be over in the student center. It is our opportunity for you to get to know what we are about as a church, what our vision is, what our mission is, what our goals are, and how you can be a part of that. And you get to have pizza with the pastors. I know it's a very confusing name. So we would love for you to be a part of that. Again, right after the 11 o'clock service over in the student center is where we're going to be at. Also going to remind you that church council nominations are coming up due today. You can text the word council uh, to the, our phone number, or you can grab a piece of paper and put them in the box on the way out. And church council is just kind of our guiding uh, body of uh, uh, people who come alongside our pastors as we continue to guide the church and lead the church. And so we'd encourage you to nominate those people so we can continue to see where God's leading us and be a part of that. I'd encourage you to put those names in, pray about that as well. And then finally, last thing I have for us this morning is that our senior adult trip is uh, coming up very quickly here to Branson in the fall. And so today is actually the deadline deposit. And so that has it has enough people to go right now, and there are only 10 spots left. And so if you are any interested in that at all, you should see Pastor Wayne, or you can text the word info to get more information about that. But there are very few spots left, and you don't want to miss that trip. Uh, anybody who's Pastor Dan's age or older should be ready to go for it. All right? It's one of those mornings, okay? The rain just has everybody extra go. So let's pray this morning as we continue to worship. Will you bow your heads with me? Dear Father, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for the opportunity just to gather in this place today to honor you and to worship you. Father, as we lift high the name of Jesus this morning, I pray that you will give us wisdom as we study your word. Father, that you will be glorified from our time together. Father, we know your word does not return void. And so as your word is proclaimed this morning, Father, I pray that it would just change our hearts and change lives in this room and online. Father, it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to introduce you to a new song this morning that talks about God's faithfulness. And, you know, our God is faithful. We sing to a faithful God. We serve a faithful God. And Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast, fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Amen? And I don't know about you, but I've seen God do some pretty incredible things in my family and in my life. And, and he's shown his faithfulness. But you know what, church? Every time a new struggle comes up, I forget that faithfulness. Isn't it interesting how that happens? We see God move in our life, and then a new challenge comes up, and we go right to worrying about it instead of praying about it. So let me encourage you this morning, as, as we sing this, uh, this new song of God's faithfulness, let me encourage you to remain seated as we sing the beginning of the song for you. And let me ask you this morning to just focus on a time, look back at a time in your life that God was faithful to you that God showed up and showed his faithfulness in an amazing way. And as we sing and we proclaim the song together in a few minutes, let me just ask you to think of that time when God was faithful to you. If you can't think of that time, then let's think of that time that he saved you because God was faithful to save every one of us. Amen? So let's, let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, as we sing and we proclaim this song, we thank you that the God that we sing to today is a faithful God. Lord, I pray that you would help us now just to focus on those times in our lives that you've been faithful to us. And as we face challenges, new challenges that come up, God, help us to rely on you and your faithfulness as we sing and as we praise you today. presence was where I found 
on, church, let's proclaim this chorus together. Let's sing. Every voice, come on. Church, you have uh, done some good work this week. I don't know if you know it or not, but um, I love it when, uh, when the church is the church and, uh, and reaches out into our community, and you've done a lot of that uh, this week. This, uh, this past Tuesday, we had uh, the Stetson Choral Union, and it was a full house, an absolutely full house. There, were, there was not a seat in the room that was available. We had uh, our Stetson Young Singers as a part of that, and then the Choral Union, and it was a lot of fun, great music. I saw a number of your faces here, and uh, it was a wonderful night to be here and to, uh, to be able to be a part of a community event. And then last night, we had the privilege of being able to celebrate and, uh, and honor the Delan High School football team in their football banquet. We hosted that over in our Family Life Center. And so just another opportunity to reach out into this community. You know, church, I've said before, the church is doing its best work when it is looking out, not looking in. And so the more we can look out into our community and serve others and make make much of Jesus as we go out into the community, it makes a difference. And so I want to I want to thank you for being a church that is generous and willing to uh, to walk down that road. And then the last thing that I'll share with you is as you walked in today and as you walk out, there are some uh, tables near the entrances and exits where uh, where there are baby bottles. That is not for your maternity leave or paternity leave, okay? Um, it is just simply for you to take and to fill up uh, with, uh, with a donation and bring back later in May where we are going to be uh, giving that money over to Coastal Choices Pregnancy Center, uh, our Grace House Pregnancy Center. That is our local crisis pregnancy center, and they do great work in the name of Jesus. And so I would encourage you uh, to be supportive of that. Uh, it's just a, a reminder. You can take that. You can fill it up with change. You can fill it up with bills, or you can fill it up with a really nice check. But it's a great way for you to, uh, for you to make a donation uh, to that important 
ministry. Well, today we are going to continue in our series through dysfunctional. And I've said it every week, it feels a little odd uh, coming together and having the word dysfunctional uh, in front of us, but that is where we are. And so we're going to be, uh, we're going to be looking uh, at some of the dysfunction that is in the Bible. We actually have defined dysfunctional, and this is what dysfunctional is. Dysfunctional is not acting like it should, troubled, problematic, disharmonious, struggling, right? And, uh, and when we look at that definition, we can probably all say, yeah, I relate. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm a, I can be a little dysfunctional in my life. And I, I would probably agree with you. I would probably agree with you because, because we're all, we all have a little bit of area. We all have one of those areas where we have some struggles. And so this idea of being dysfunctional is really helpful to us when we look at the Bible because the Bible is full of dysfunctional people. And we're just looking at the book of Genesis. I mean, the first book of the Bible. And there's so many stories about how things are dysfunctional. Today we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 26. You can go ahead and turn with me there. If there if you're grabbing one of those Bibles from in front of you in the in the rack in front of you, it's on page 20, but I want to bring us up to date because there's some there's some backstory if you haven't been here for the last few weeks, there's some backstory that I want you to grasp as we jump into uh, Genesis chapter 26. We started this series a couple of weeks ago in Genesis chapter 12. In that story, we learned that God spoke to Abram and said, Abram, I'm going to bless the entire world through you and your offspring. If you will just be obedient to me and follow me, it's going to go really, really well. And so Abram does what God says. He goes to this new home. He takes all of his family and his belongings, and he goes to this new home that God shows him. And then in his craziness, he had, there's a famine in the land. They were moved down to Egypt. And because he is scared of the Egyptians mistreating him, he tells the Egyptians that Sarai, his wife, is his sister, not his wife. And so Pharaoh takes Sarai into his family and treats her like his wife. And it doesn't go well for Pharaoh, and he discovers that, hey, this is not how things are supposed to be. Gives Sarai back to Abram. They go about their merry way, but it's a really tough situation. We, we move over to uh, Genesis chapter 17, and Abram, by the way, in this moment, his name was changed to Abraham, and Sarai, whose name was changed to Sarah, God comes and promises that they're going to have a child. He's kind of already promised that because it was their offspring, but he promises they're going to have a child, and they're 99 years old, and he says, you're about to have a kid, and they laugh at him like you and I would laugh at him. But guess what? A year later, God comes through and they actually have a child. They name him Isaac. In the meantime, check this out. In the in-between, between God promising that they're going to have a child and them having a child, in the meantime, they actually find their way down to another land called Gerar. The king's name is Abimelech. And when they go into this town or this, this nation, Abraham gets scared again, and he thinks, if they find out that Sarah is my wife, they might kill me. So guess what he does? A second time. He tells the people and tells the king, hey, that's not my wife, that's my, my sister. Twice he does this. This time with Abimelech, the king of Gerar. Well, uh, Abimelech figures it out, says, hey, this is not good. This is not how things should be. He gives Sarah back to Abraham. You would think at some point Sarah would be like, I'm done with Abraham. I'm out of here. If he keeps treating me, I mean, this is ridiculous. Why am I staying? Why am I sticking around? But she does because that is what God has kind of led her to. Regardless of that, Abimelech, the king of Gerar, comes to, I love, by the way, I just love that, the name of that place, Gerar. I mean, isn't that a great biblical name? Abimelech, uh, the king of Gerar, comes to Abraham and recognizes that God is on Abraham's side and makes a peace treaty with Abraham. Isaac grows up. He gets married to a beautiful woman named Rebekah. The couple have two children, Jacob and Esau. Both Sarah and Abraham die. And that brings us to chapter 26. And oh boy, is it a doozy. Check it out. It says, now there was a famine in the land. 
besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Gerar. Same spot, same spot. He went to Gerar to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. The same spot, the same king. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. That's a lot. And will give to your offspring all these lands, and in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac settled in Gerar. Now, this is a good story so far. This is great. Isaac takes his stuff. There's a famine in the land. He goes down to the land of Gerar. He kind of hangs out with Abimelech. God speaks to him, says, if you'll be faithful to me, if you'll do what I'm telling you to do, then I'm actually going to take the blessing that I gave to Abraham. It's actually going to come about through you, and I'm going to bless your offspring. They're going to be more than the stars in the sky. Have you ever laid outside on a dark night? I know that, you know, here in Deland, things are getting lighter and lighter and lighter, but have you ever gone outside on a really dark night, and you look up, and there's like millions and millions and millions of countless stars? God says, that's how I'm going to make your offspring. I'm going to bless you beyond measure. You will never be able to count the people, the kids, the grandkids, the great-grandkids, your family. They will be so numerous. They are more than the stars in the sky. And it says that Isaac settled in Gerar and he was obedient to God. You can say, dun, dun, dun. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, Yeah, I know, I know. She is my sister. For he feared to say my wife, thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. When he had been there for a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing, goofing off with Rebekah, his wife. They're they're reconnecting. And he's thinking, that does not look like a brother and a sister. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, because I thought, lest I die because of her. Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? He could have, should have said, are you, you're just like your dad. One of the people might easily have lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people saying, whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. Oh my goodness, right? I mean, do you, are, 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 are you on board with me when you just look at some of these stories and are like, Seriously? Did you not learn? Your dad did this twice. And now you're repeating the same thing in the same land with the same people? At some point, do you not want to say, can't they just learn? I'll tell you, if you've ever read through the Bible and you read the story of the nation of Israel, do you know what you find yourself saying over and over and over. What? You gotta be kidding me. There's no way. I can't. Do they ever learn? Are they, are they ignorant? What is wrong with these people? It's a very common sentiment when you read the story of the nation of Israel. But I will tell you, and it's what I want us to deal with today, because I, 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 let me just say, I've already preached this message. I preached it when we talked about Abraham doing this work. If, if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, I would encourage you maybe go back and check out what we shared a couple of weeks ago because what we said was that just because we are imperfect doesn't mean God can't use us. God uses imperfect people to accomplish his perfect plan. We talked about that when we looked at Abraham. But what we have here is a repeat. We have a rerun right there in the words of scripture. We have we have Isaac the son doing the exact same thing as his dad. What is wrong with these people? 
And I'll tell you that every time I've ever read through the Bible, I've thought that not only about this situation, but about so many situations in the nation of Israel. And every time I say it, I say, what is wrong with these people? I feel like God speaks to me in that moment and says, what is wrong with you? Because how many times have I corrected you? And how many times have you gone down the wrong path? And how many times have you done the wrong thing? And how many people have you counseled to, to do some things or to not do some things or to go a certain way? How about you listen to the own advice that you're giving to others? Because I, I have to say, I have a tendency to go down the same wrong path over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm talking to a group of people that are not much different. We know what we should do and we know what we shouldn't do. And we have a tendency to do the things that we shouldn't do. And we have a tendency to never do the things that we should do. And so every time we look at Isaac or any of the biblical characters, we should say, well, I think, I think they're telling my story. I think I am Isaac. Well, I mean, not that I've ever passed my wife off as my sister. But I, 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 have a tendency, I have a tendency to follow in the paths that have been laid for me in my past, in generations past, and even in my present. And I have to say that there, there are going to be some things that my, even my kids and grandkids deal with that find their source in in me. What I'm talking about is a, is a concept that I really want us to deal with today. And, 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 and it's, 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 kind of a, it's kind of an adjacent, it's, it's kind of out in the margins of, of Scripture as we read this. Because what is presented here is the idea of a generational sin. A, a generational sin is, is a sin that seems to be passed down from previous generations. How many of you have ever said something like this? Well, you know, like father, like son, right? Or how about this? Um, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You know, a lot of the dysfunction, stay with me, a lot of the dysfunction that we deal with in our own lives finds its source in like our parents, our family, our grandparents. Now, I know that some of you might be, might be sitting there saying, well, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor, because I've got a perfect family. My kids say the same thing. Some of you will figure that out later. Um, and now, I, we all have some things in our life that, that we want to pass down. We have some qualities that we want to pass down to our, to our kids and our grandkids. Typically, it's the things that we don't want to pass down that people pick up. They're, they're generational sins. We see an example of it in, here in Scripture. We actually see teaching about it at another passage over in the book of Exodus. I just want you to hear this. Exodus chapter 20, verse 4, it says, You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. I know I'm going fast, but I'm getting to a point. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I am the Lord your God. I am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children of the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. Now, how many of you read that and you're like, that's not fair. I should not have to pay for something my dad did. I should have not have to pay for something my grandfather did or my great-grandfather or my great-great-grandfather. That's not fair. Can I tell you two quick things that I think this is teaching? Then I'm going to get to the last verse of this passage. This is the second commandment, by the way. It's in the Ten Commandments, this, this, this teaching. I, I think there's a couple of things we need to understand. First of all, we need to understand that we all inherited sin from somebody. Every one of us. As a matter of fact, at, at, at its basis... We all inherited sin from our great 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 grandfather Adam. I mean, I I don't know if I had enough greats in there, but you understand the point. At some point, we inherited sin from that original sin. 
But we also inherit the sin from our dad and our mom. Because we're human. We're sinful. The other side of that, though, is God is saying here that when we come from an idolatrous family, we will have a tendency to be idolatrous. And it doesn't just stop with idol worship. It can, it can go on to so many other things. As a matter of fact, as I was studying this, I, there was a list um, of, of typical ge- generational sins. Check these out. Um, unforgiveness, lying, bitterness, fear, worry, judgment, resentment, pride, rejection, envy, jealousy, anger, abuse, addiction, covetousness, doubt, unbelief, rebellion, drunkenness, manipulation, greed, lust, idolatry, fornication, adultery, and hatred. That was a list right there now. Those are, I'll tell you, I don't want to be any of those, right? But some of you, as I went through that list really quickly, some of you are like, beep, 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 beep. That's mine. I struggle with that. I'm having a hard time there. Now, the, the beautiful thing about this scripture is the last verse because it says that he will visit the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, third and the fourth. But I will also show steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So it, it is so much more. His love is so much greater than his punishment. But friends, we will deal with some struggles in our life that that were passed down to us. Basically, what I'm telling you is that, that we are the product of our past experiences, our past relationships, and our past environment. We do have things in our life that, that come from generations past. It's why, if you ever go in, it's why if you ever go in and sit down with a counselor, they're going to start asking you about your past. Because they're going to want to find out where did this come from? Who has made this person that is sitting in front of me? Who has created this? And it's not because they're they're looking for somebody to blame. It's just that so much of our current struggles come from our past. And so this morning, what I want to encourage you to do is I want to encourage you, and this is, this is going to be hard, but I want to encourage you as we talk about this, as we talk about some ways to deal with our generational sins, I want to encourage you to do some surgery this morning. Now, what is surgery? Surgery is something painful for a long-term benefit. I, I, I've I've never had, I've never heard of somebody coming, well, very few. Very few people come out of surgery saying, wow, that was fun. Let's do it again. Not, not many people do that. If you've ever had like a knee replacement or like a rotator cuff or, or, or any other really kind of surgery, no, nobody comes out of surgery saying, I really enjoyed that. That was amazing. No, you come out with recovery and pain and you come out with, with you know, pain medicine and, and anguish and you, sometimes you come out with needing therapy and, and all these different kinds of things. That's what surgery is. But you know that the reason you went through that, that pain is for the long-term benefit, right? Friends, we need to do some surgery this morning. We need to be willing to dig into our lives a little bit so that we can do some hard work that will be for our long-term benefit. What we're about to talk about is not going to feel good, but it's so important for us to deal with these generational sins. So how do we do it? Well, I want to I offer you, and please, if you're... If you're a therapist in the room, this list is certainly not exhaustive. There is a whole lot more to be said about how to deal with these types of issues. But maybe this is a good starting point. The first thing that we need to do to deal with generational sins is we just need to identify it. We need to just find it. What 
is it that your parents or your grandparents dealt with that you honestly struggle with as well? What is the thing that you keep going back to and you realize when you think about it long enough, you realize, I think my dad dealt with this too. I think my mom dealt with this too. Because one thing that I know is true, and this is painful to even say out loud, is that, friends, as much as we fight against it, we have a tendency to become our parents. That doesn't always feel good. As a matter of fact, I can tell you, how many of you have ever said, well, I'll tell you what I'll never do. I will never be like such and such like my parents were. How many of you ever said that? How many of you have ever found yourself accidentally doing that very thing you said you would never do? Yeah. I can't tell you the number of times that I've had a conversation with my kids or something has happened in my family and I'm like, you know, I kind of react and respond and it just kind of comes naturally. And then I go back and I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh boy. I, we have a tendency to become our parents. So one of the things we need to do with our generational sin is we've got to identify it. We've got to name it. Can I just, one other thing about, about identifying it. Can I challenge you, challenge you, challenge you to identify it personally and, and own it? I'll give you an example. I I have a tendency in, in my world to have a lot of people come to me and want to share about their struggles. That's, that's kind of part of the pastoring job. You would be amazed at the stories that some people have told me. I'm telling you. And they are locked up, never to be shared. But I, I, some people come to me and they're like, Pastor, I just don't know. I don't know if I can tell you what I need to tell you because I, I, I'm, I'm about to shock you. And I'm like, I bet you're not. I bet I've been there before. As a matter of fact, I bet I've been worse. And so anyway, all that to say, people come and they share things. And most of the time, about 99% of the time, they say something like this. I've gotten caught in a relationship that I know is not healthy. What they should say is, I am currently committing adultery. But what they want to say is, I'm, I've gotten involved in a way that I know is not good. Do you, do you hear the difference? That is a, it's almost like I'm blaming somebody else. It's almost like I'm putting that over there and I don't really want to own it. That's not really who I am, but it's a struggle that I have. But really, deep down inside, I'm an adulterer, would be a good entering statement. That'd be a good starting place. I am an addict, not I've got a habit that I'm trying to work on. When we identify it, we've got to identify it personally, and we've got to own it. This, this, if you've ever been in the 12-step program, this is one of those first steps. Hello, my name is Dan, and I am a, and you just fill in the blank. And we've got to own it. We've got to realize that that is not something that we're struggling with. That's, that has become a, a part of who we are, and we need to identify it. The second thing that we need to do, and this kind of goes along with that, is we need to talk about it. We need to talk about it. We need to bring it out into the light so that it is no longer hiding. When I was in the 10th grade, um, I was in a band competition in Tylertown, Mississippi, and the, our band was on the field. And I mean, the skies let loose. There was thunder. There was lightning. There was rain. It was another time, so we played right through the thunder and the lightning. Now everybody would like clear the stadium. We were like, no, strike us with lightning. Um, so anyway, it was just kind of the way things were at that time. But we were out there and I mean, it was a 
deluge. I mean, the rain was coming down in sheets. And we got off the, we got off the field. We, find, we finished our, our show. We were soaked to the bone. We were not allowed to change, so we got on the bus. We drove all the way home. And when I got home, I was freezing because we'd ridden in those wet uniforms the entire way. And so what I did was I got home and I took my little, my little uh, uniform garment bag and I put my garment, I put my, uh, my uniform in there and I put it in the closet and I went and I got in the shower and I warmed up and I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for warm water. This is great. I am so glad. This is wonderful. And then I sat down on the couch and I watched some television and I went to sleep. And about nine weeks later, the band director said, hey, need to bring in your uniform. I was like, okay. So I went and I pulled out my uniform out of the closet inside the garment bag. In my maroon and cream Byram Band High School uniform was no longer maroon and cream. What color was it? It was green. You know why? Mold, thank you, thank you, appreciate that. Let's go a little deeper. Um, Because bad things live, breed, and grow in the dark. Sometimes the best thing we can do with our generational sin is just talk about it. We need to talk to our family, we need to talk to our friends, we need to talk to our pastor. We need to bring it out into the light and make it so that it's no longer hidden. When things are hidden, they grow. When things are hidden, they breed. When things are hidden, when they're in the dark, bad things grow, breed, and live in the dark. Bring it out into the light. Make it not as big of a deal. Look at the enemy and go, ha, 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 ha. You thought you had me, but I brought it out into the light, and I'm talking to everybody about it. I've got a friend not too long ago that I had a conversation with, one of those conversations, and he sat down at lunch and he said, here's my problem. I'm struggling with this and this. And I was like, that is awesome because we just got to talk about it. I got to go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting one time. Let me tell you something. If you've ever been to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, you should go. I got invited to one because one of our church members was getting like their 35-year chip or something like that. So we were there to celebrate him, celebrate uh, her, and it was great. Can I tell you something? If you've never been to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting or if you've never been around people that are in Alcoholics Anonymous, they are some of the most honest people you've ever met. They will just talk about their problems. And in talking about their problems, they bring them out to the light, and they actually, by talking about them, defeat them. So talk about it. Identify it. Third, and I've got to move forward, commit to let it die with you. We're talking about those sins that we pass down. Can I, I, I'm, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but how many of you would like for your kids to not deal with the sins that you deal with? Man, I want that. I want that. But the best way, the best way for me to not pass down my sins is for me to deal with them in myself. I've got to defeat this for the benefit of my two boys. I've got to beat this for the benefit of my kids. I don't want them to deal with the stuff that I deal with. Let them deal with their own problems. Trust me, they'll have them. But let them not say, well, I'm here because my dad was here. I'm here because my dad struggled with this. I'm struggling with this because my dad struggled with this. Commit to let it die with you. And bury it. Claim victory over it. And move on. Number four, be accountable. Be accountable. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it just really boldly. Find somebody that can help you. Find somebody that can help you. And you're sitting there saying, "Well, I, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can. I, you know what? I'm just going to. I'm going to do better. I'm going to. I'm going to. Listen. If you could have dealt with this, it would already be dealt with." 
If you could do it on your own, it would already be done. The reason you're sitting here right now identifying that thing is because you can't do it by yourself. You need somebody that will ask you hard questions. You need somebody that will say, have you looked at that today? Have you gone there today? Have you done this today? I'll be back tomorrow to ask you the same questions. And when you tell me yes, I'm going to love you and help you and restore you. And I'm not going to judge you. I'm not here to say, yeah, 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 you're such a bad person. I'm here to be your support. I'm here to help you. We've got to be accountable. And then the final thing, and it's not the final thing. It really is the first thing. We've got to trust Jesus. I, I was... I was studying for this this week, and I was actually listening to somebody talk about generational sins. And at the very end of his talk, he said, can I tell you a story from Jesus' life? And the story I'm going to tell you is not the story that he told, but the story that I'm going to tell you, it was like God said, that's the story. Check it out. Listen to what it says. In John chapter 9, verse 1, it says, as he, Jesus, passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? What are they asking? They're asking, what's the generational sin? What, what got passed down in this man's life? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must, work, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming, and when no one can work, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and he washed and he came back seeing. Jesus can take the generational sins of your life and he can defeat them and bring them to victory. Might it be that the struggle that you are having in your life is not so that you can lay on a couch of a counselor and talk about your parents. Might it be so that you can defeat that through the power of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, through the spirit of Jesus, through the forgiveness of Jesus. Might it be that you are called to defeat that to the glory of of God. Might it be that God is using that in your life? Might it be that God is moving in your life and bringing you to a point that he says, I don't want that for you. I want something better for you. I want something that you can, can claim victory over and that you can proclaim the name of Jesus. God wants that for you. Let's pray. God, would you just work in our lives and hearts right now? God, there are moments and there are people in this room that are struggling with things that they've struggled with for years. And they can look back at their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, and it's been in their family for so long. But God, you want something better. And so right now, would you do work in our lives? Would you do that surgery and help us, God, see what you're working in? Let us live a life of purity and holiness before you. I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. It's a little different than what we typically do at the close of a service, but I, I just believe that in this room, there are some people that might be dealing with some of those generational sins. 
There might be somebody here that is saying, I've got something that I just can't get rid of. And I saw it in my mom. I saw it in my dad. I saw it in my grandmother. I saw it in my granddad. And I am struggling with the same thing that they struggled with. And I just don't know what to do. I feel like it's almost in my blood. And you're sitting there right now. And your first step is to just simply identify it. So I know that it's a bold move. But I want to pray for you. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to ask you what it is. This is up to you. It's between you and God. But I just want to pray for you. So would you be so brave, and it is brave, would you be so brave as to say, I'm dealing with one of those generational sins. I don't know what to do. But I want to today, I just want to come before God and say, I'm, I, I admit it. I admit it. I'm struggling. If that's you, I just want to pray for you. Would you be so brave as to just simply raise your hand? That's all I'm asking. I'm struggling with one of those generational sins. Amen. Anyone else? Yes. Amen. Amen. I'm struggling with one of those generational sins that I just don't know how to deal with it. Amen. All around the room. Anyone else? Yes. Anyone else? Amen. Those generational sins. God wants to, I really believe that God wants to release you from that today. You can walk out of here. I really believe that you can walk out of here through confession. You can walk out of here clean. Anyone else? I'm dealing with one of those generational sins that I've seen in my family. And I'm struggling with it too. I don't want to. I want to be better. I want to live a life of purity. Anybody else? Amen. Anyone else? Got all around the room, there are people that are raising their hands and people who have and people that maybe for whatever reason just don't feel comfortable raising their hand, but God, they know that, they know that they're struggling with something that they, they don't understand. They don't, they don't, it doesn't make sense. Why would I keep going back to that? Why would I be like Isaac and, and repeat things that I've seen before that I know was painful and harmful and hurtful? But God, we just keep going back. And God, I just pray right now. God, I pray in the name of Jesus. God, that you would remove those influences from us. That you would remove the paths that have been carved in our life and carved in our brain and carved on our heart that we keep walking in. And God, would you release us from those sins that we keep going back to. Those self-destructive behaviors. Those habits. Those struggles those obsessions. God, would you remove that from us and live? help us, God, to live a life of purity before you. Father, we confess our sins before you. Just right now, in your mind and in your heart, would you just confess that before the Lord, agree with him that you know it's wrong. God, we confess those sins before you and we lay them down at the feet of Jesus. And we believe, God, that to the glory of your name, you can remove that influence from us. You can remove that sin from our lives and you can forgive us and you can cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So help us to live a life of purity. Help us to find accountability. Help us to talk about the struggles that we have. Not be embarrassed because God, we're all dealing with something. Help us, God, to feel the release of forgiveness. And help us to walk in purity. God, you want that for us. So help us to live it out. Father, thank you. Thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you for, for hearing our, our cry out to you. And God, I pray that you would help us to live for you because of our need for you and your work in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to stand we're going to sing a closing chorus that just simply proclaims our need for Jesus in our life. Sing this with us. That guides my heart.